0: March has arrived and we are
1: only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 on and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So, whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of their best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code Blue Wire, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
2: News, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good. Terry Rozier. Has the fire! Oh! My oh.
1: Some frequent miles! All right, what's going on, everyone, and welcome in to another Buzz Beat Podcast, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie Randall, and I'll be joined today by Spencer. And Brian, today it feels like we've not had all three on the pod for quite a bit. It feels like so yeah. long time no talk, guys. Brian, how's everything going with you?
3: Things are good. It has been a while. It's been a few weeks since I've since I've done one of these, unfortunately. But um, glad to be back on. Uh, just uh, busy with the college hoops season last last week of the regular season for the ACC, and uh, headed to Greensboro um, next week actually, which is exciting. So things are good. How about you guys?
4: Yeah, good. Can't complain. Richie, I think I said uh, on last week's episode uh, that I was pumped about the conference tournament starting this Yeah. Week. Oh, Probably. yeah, yeah, I was, I was a week ahead of schedule. Way too, ACC tournament's always my favorite, so i yeah. that pumped. Yeah. Gun. Well,
3: you got the Big South starts This starts today, actually, I think. So. Yeah,
4: well, the smaller tournament. Yeah. Like, EAA might be this week and Big South yeah. and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. but, yeah, it's best week of the year, man. I, yeah. You know, I'm gearing up for that, too. I don't think I'll be in Greensboro, BG, but if I make it, the, second, which would be if Virginia plays on Saturday night. Hey, the, the way they're playing right now, what is
3: it? Six straight. Um, man, they it's look pretty ferocious uh, at the moment.
4: Points probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but they're, winning, they're winning games. So it yeah, matters. It's all that
3: counts, man.
1: I want to tell you a quick story. I went to the uh, the Hornets game the other weekend against the Nets, I believe where they gave the bobblehead away for miles bridges. And uh, I went home and I was like, I, I need to add more to my bobblehead collection. So I went on to eBay and I, I've, I've never done eBay before until uh, mm-hmm. last weekend. And so I bought a Glenn Rice bobblehead, which they gave out, I think, last season when they were. Yes. Kind of, yeah. The one where yeah. it's like holding the MVP trophy for the uh, the all star game anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought it or whatever and put my name in my address. And the guy emails back. He's like, hey, are you Richie Randall from the Busby podcast?
3: <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, what
1: a small world that there's someone on eBay that sells bobbleheads. And I'm, you know he also listens to our podcast. <laughs>
3: That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I I really to,
4: cool. Um, I, I was trying to add to your collection for you, Richie. I went to the Milwaukee game on Sunday. Unfortunately, I was not one of the first 8,000 fans to get a Dwayne Bacon bobblehead. Yeah. I, I, I wonder <laughs> how the team felt about uh, giving out bobbleheads for a guy that currently is in the G League.
3: <laughs> but, dropping, um, dropping 50 burgers in, uh, up in Greensboro, man.
4: Yeah, but I mean, when you get all those things made, I guess you can't just leave them in the closet. Right. You've got to hand them out. So, yeah, right. so yeah. I didn't get there in time. I'm sorry. It
1: also depends on the entrance that you go to, because I feel like you could go to a busy entrance and, and it, it <laughs> you know the bobbleheads be gone or you go to one that's not visited and you can show up later. But True. let's jump right into this. Uh, we have a couple of questions to kind of get the conversation started here from our listeners. Uh, we actually had a guest of the show uh, at Stat Center on Twitter ask for our prediction on how many wins the Hornets will get the rest of the season. And 538 projects the Hornets to finish with the sixth worst record uh, on the season with 27 wins. So that would be six more wins added on to their total. We're actually recording this prior to the game tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. So, you know, if that's one of those wins, it would just be five more wins to get to the 27 win total. I actually made a mention of this back in August about this month of of March and and how there's not a single back-to-back game. But to me, that almost looks more exhausting with the team basically playing every other day. So it feels like while it looks like there's rest, uh, I'm sure travel time is kind of factored into that as well. I think this month of March is going to be difficult, not only because we're playing some of the better teams uh, just looking at the schedule, I think we have like the Lakers, the Rockets, the Heat, Clippers, the Nuggets coming up soon. So the, the actual schedule is difficult, but basically playing every other day makes it difficult as well. So I'll say this. Some of the tougher teams are at home, so this, this could work for them, I guess, in their favor. But according to the win percentage of the teams that are left in this, this, the schedule left is 51.3% win percentage, which is actually the 12th highest. I thought it would have been a little bit higher than that. So. I'm going to go under the 538 projection of six more wins. I will say five more wins, and they will get to a total of 26 wins uh, to end this season, which is actually higher than maybe I projected towards the uh, the off season pod to kind of uh, preview this season. So I'll just say 26 wins is, is what I'm going with, and they'll get five more wins to end the season. Any thoughts on a total, guys?
4: Yeah, no, that that sounds right to me. And, you know, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, you know, guys are conveniently starting to miss games. Cody Sellers not playing anymore. This team really wants to finish below that, your projection, Richie. So I think that's probably the safe bet.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I would just say, Richie, you are talking about that 51% win percentage of the remaining schedule, like maybe being a little lower than you would expect it right. to be. Just keep in mind, you've got three games against the Hawks the wizards are on here, uh, New York's on here. So you've got really just some of the worst teams in the NBA that are going to make up, you know, 20, 25% of these remaining games that sort of leaves sort of a weird balance because they're also playing teams like the Spurs blazers. Like they might need these games to try to sneak into that eight seed in the playoffs. So it's weird to predict the final home stretch for the Hornets here. A, because like March, April, NBA basketball, is just a strange place in general. But especially for a team that is, as Spencer was sort of saying, probably trying to, would like to better those lottery odds a little bit more, but is also playing just lineups that we haven't seen like all season too. You know what I mean? Or or I've seen very little of with the, the Martin twins playing together, or McDaniels, um, you know, more, more Aaron Gomez now. Um, but yeah, I would say... I'll go seven more wins up to 28. Nice. I'll say that. But nice. I wouldn't, like, if they finished with 25, it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't right. shock me either here.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you do make a good point about them playing the, the Hawks three more games. I think they play the Wizards a couple more games. But anyway, yeah, there, there are some teams on here that are definitely beatable uh, for yeah. the Hornets. But it's one of those things we will probably win some games or win maybe one game they shouldn't and maybe lose a couple that they shouldn't as well. Next question is from Prosif Stalin on Twitter. What are the chances the Hornets take a flyer on DeMarcus Cousins? So DeMarcus Cousins obviously tore his ACL prior to the season and really had no shot of playing with the Lakers this season. But from everything I've heard, uh, Los Angeles loves Cousins, and he's actually still working out with the team. He just can't sit on the bench uh, because he has been waived to kind of create that roster spot for uh, Markeith Morris so i will say one percent that the hornets actually take a chance just because it's a two-way street here i'm not sure the hornets would want him but again demarcus is probably kind of set on staying in los angeles and i think a lot of people know that
4: uh yeah yeah i would say less than one percent just to say something different (laughs) i mean i you know, watching the Hornets in these young athletic uh, lineups, they've been trotting out. Like one thought that's like consistently come to my mind is, man, if they had a center out there, they could roll, they could screen well, roll hard, and catch the ball in the middle of the floor, uh, and make a play and play above the rim, right? Like like kind of your your modern I- I NBA uh, center these days. If they could have that guy this offense and life on Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, these guards that have to play through, you know, a million pick and rolls have really become a lot easier. And then, you know, you can unlock some of the cutting potential from the Martin twins, you know, Mm -hmm. and free up Jalen McDaniels for a few more corner threes, what have you. So, uh, yeah, I just think DeMarcus Cousin is like the exact opposite of that kind of player that they need. And also he's maybe never going to be healthy again. And, like 30 years old. Right. I think, yeah.
3: Approaching, approaching, approaching. He's probably 29 right now. I would say 28, 29. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a chance after the, the, the Achilles injury that he had in 2018, like what January, 2018, like he'll, he just may never be the same again after that. Mm-hmm. Um, which think about how much money he's lost, um, you know, over the last couple of years. And like, you know, there were some pretty, there were allegations of, 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 uh, what domestic assault yes, is past off season as well too like that gets factored in the equation. But yeah, in terms of like on court product, I don't think he necessarily fits uh, what the Hornets are trying to do. As Spencer said, um, Richie, you mentioned that yeah he's free. He's just going to rehab the injury in Los Angeles. I can't imagine him wanting to come to a team that would be sort of a startup and is you know who knows what the expectations are for the Hornets next season. It might be, you know, tank again. I I can't imagine him wanting to come to that unless he just, the Hornets threw him a lot of their cap space, which I don't think they're going to do. And I I can see him back in Los Angeles on what, like, you know, a veterans minimum next season. That seems to make um, some sense probably. So no, I would say, you know, uh, I would say somewhere between zero and 1%. So I'd say half of, you know, 0.5%. How about that? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I just think there's too much interest, I feel like, between Cousins and the Lakers for us even to think about, you know, approaching him and we would have to overspend like Brian stated there. Next question from Rodimus Prime on Twitter. He's actually a fellow podcaster. Uh, He has a podcast, Black Guy Who Tips, and he's also a big Hornets fan who goes to the games and and listens to our podcast as well. Are there any free agents other than DeMarcus Cousins coming up this offseason that you think would be a good addition to the roster going into next season? And I think the one thing that we can all agree on here with the Hornets is, is uh, Spencer made a mention of it. You know, we need a center, but also we need shooting. And I think those are things that uh, we can kind of try to target in free agency um, because, you know, that's something that's always been lacking with this Hornets roster. And I know Spencer has made a mention of this guy before, and, and a player that can fill this gap with the shooting is Joe Harris. And I, I almost yeah. – I didn't realize how old Harris was. He's 29. I mean, I guess it's not old, old, but to me, I thought he was like 25 for whatever reason, 26. Um, so maybe in terms of the timeline here, it may not be the best option, but again, beggars can't be choosers with this Hornets roster. So really good three point shooter. And I think that would be a guy that maybe the Hornets could target. Uh, A lot of the other players are, I feel like just either too old or would be just out of our price range. So, It's kind of hard to kind of narrow in on one specific player just because of those parameters there, and also they've come out and said that they're probably not going to be be big players in the free agency. So, any names, Spencer, or do you want to add on to Joe Harris there?
4: Yeah, I'll talk about Harris for a few minutes and why I think he would be a good fit for where Charlotte is right now. Number one, I think that you know they keep talking about culture and development. I can't really think of a guy in this free agent class as you know as you scroll down the list here that's a better uh, role model example for young guys mm-hmm. in this league. He, he makes you better offensively. You know, he's not Joe Harris is not a max player. Okay. Let's i mean, that's not what I'm saying, but he makes you better offensively immediately. He gives yes. you some shooting. He gives you a little bit of playmaking, not a ton, but a little bit. Um, like I said, he makes you better defensively. The guys not didn't have all the physical tools, like a lot of the shutdown wings do in the league, but he does try hard. Very, very consistently. Um, yes, Harris is a little bit older, but what he is, if you get him at the right price, so I would say you know, that fifteen to eighteen million, the Hornets need to try to keep about ten million in, in cap space dry, so they can take on a bad contract and get a, uh, a some draft capital for twenty twenty one. But if they can get him in that fifteen eighteen million dollar range, three four years, you know, we'll see how those negotiations go. Now you have a tradable asset, particular. yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, and that's the other piece of this. So I just think like he's the perfect type of, uh, of yeah. He's not going to like really move the needle for us, but he's going to help our young guys develop. He's going to give us an extra asset in the chessboard. Um, and he's and honestly, he's not going to help us win that many more games, you know. So it's not really putting yeah. us in a bad situation. Yeah, outside of him, you really go down the list like wings, which I think uh, the Hornets need the most. Like. You know, second-chance Stanley Johnson or second-chance Josh Mm. Jackson. Mm. Uh, (laughs) These are the kind of names that, you know, kind of coming to the surface. So there's just not a lot out there uh, in terms of options if you're really focusing on the wing. Now, if you go to, um, you know, the center position, you know, we talked about Harry Giles. I think that's interesting uh, for Charlotte. I uh, will stop talking now. I do think Joe Harris, out of everyone in this basket, the free agents would be the best fit for where Charlotte is right now.
3: Yeah, I like the Harris. I like the Harris possibility. One of the best above the break three-point shooters in the NBA. And you can't say enough for a guy to have a guy like that. I mean, Rozier tries to simulate some of this, but just a guy that can like is constantly in motion and can run off screens and hit shots. And Harris, 53% effective shooting off screens this year, 55% effective shooting off handoffs. 43% shooting from threes off the catch. Like, these are monster numbers. Um, And he's just, like, a winning – he is a winning basketball player. And, uh, and yeah, like Spencer said, like, you create this – if you do sign him to that kind of number, like, you know, in the the mid, the, the low to mid-teens, like somewhere in there, like you do create a tradable asset because, like, this guy's game is going to age nicely. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could – Richie, you said he's 29. Like, you can still move him eventually, you know what I mean? And he has a, a game that you could just copy and paste onto so many teams because he's a big wing that's okay defensively and can shoot. Like, he's he's a great fit in a lot of places. The other wings, you know, it's really – You really got to look at the player option players, I guess, until you sort of like maybe find another wing like, you know, Fournier or DeRozan or Otto Porter. But I I get the feeling that like I think Porter is set to make twenty eight and a half million next season. That's his option. Like he just missed the last four months of basketball. Like I'm guessing Otto Porter is going to pick up the twenty eight million dollar option for next season. Fournier's at I think seventeen million. So, but I, you know, he's a guy that I guess could potentially test the the market. Maybe Orlando's sort of looking around and saying like, well, you know, we've got money committed to Gordon. We're going to have to pay Isaac. Eventually, you know, uh, we've got a lot of money tied up in Ross and Vucevic and uh, you know, like anyways, I could see perhaps him being a guy that maybe it's the, the free agent market. He, he checks some of the same boxes that Joe Harris does. Uh, he's maybe a little bit better of a pull-up shooter, but I think he costs more money and I, 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 I would, wouldn't be the guy to go to uh, Montrez Harrell is a big guy that Spencer, you brought him up before on this pod is like a, a you know, he's from the state of North Carolina, he he would cost a lot of money, but the Hornets, you know, they basically, they would lose the cap to sign him. They'd probably lose the cap space that would allow them to become a, a dumping ground to, to add on 2021 trade assets. So I, I'd rather prefer you know, not, not have it not be Harold, but he's an absolute monster uh, in the ball screen game, the slip screen game. And you were sort of just talking about Spencer a second ago, uh, a five in the middle of the court that can draw gravity and roll to the rim and how much that would help those guys. Um, some other some other couple of names I'll throw around. I don't foresee any of these guys necessarily coming to Charlotte, but Derek Favors, um, Fred Van Vliet, Tristan, we definitely don't see Fred VanVleet coming, but because he's going to get paid by somebody. But Tristan Thompson, Aaron Baines, Myers, Leonard, Hassan Whiteside is to stay away from me. (laughs) But I I guess he exists in that category as well too. So, and I guess the
4: uh, Leonard Leonard is an interesting one. I've I've put some thought into that one too. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that you brought him up and somebody we should probably kind of file away to talk about more because I think he could be a good fit. He's still young and Stretch yeah, five
3: perfect. that you yeah. stretch five that you can play with PJ and Miles, you know what I mean? Yeah, and let yeah. let all of a sudden now PJ gets to be your role guy in the middle of the court. And we've seen a lot of pick and roll with PJ this season. Some most of which has been very good, but some of it, you know, he's playing the four when Biz is in at the dunker spot and that, that clogs the pain a little bit. So I, I think Baines is a guy that can step out in space and shoot shots, as we'll like hit threes too sort of interesting. So any of those stretch five, like fives that can either stretch it out beyond the arc or are like pick and roll guys. Like those are, those are the fits, the kind of guys that Charlotte could, could certainly be targeting. But um, I think part of it does depend on what the expectations are for next season. Like do the Hornets want to try to go for the eighth seed or do they say, you know, well, we did this season it's okay. We're okay with it. And we're going to take our lumps for one more year. You know what I mean? I would say, um, I would say
1: that would be the way to go. I mean, just take the I, patient I mean, approach. No
3: doubt. I totally, I, that's what I'm, I'm sort of hoping that longer, you know, you get another, you know, another shot at the lottery, which is, you know, sort or, of and, the point too. Yeah, um, not,
4: yeah. not only that, but you know, how young this roster is and how much the front office wants to talk about development, you know, do they spend some free agent cash? But really getting a player that is a second chance kind of guy and kind of double down on that development thought. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you 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 almost guarantee yourself to stay bad, but you spend the you know, a very little amount on a guy like Josh Jackson, right? Like on a guy that's not gonna demand any kind of cash. So you're kinda of saying, No, 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 we really mean about this development thing. We can bring players here and make them better, young players. Mm-hmm. I think that's just like a narrative they want if they want to keep nailing this home which is all the quotes you want to read it'll be interesting to them if free agency if they actually do go after a young second draft kind of guy with with their free agent space
1: yeah i just it would be on the conservative side in the sense that they wouldn't overspend for that guy but that makes perfect sense spencer in terms of kind of playing into that narrative of the development of this roster
3: uh just two other names i don't foresee charlotte uh going after either of these guys but like Former Charlotte Hornet, Christian Wood is a center. That's had a a nice season for the Pistons. He's unrestricted, but I I think he's a guy that's probably made himself some money this season. And, uh, if we're thinking about stretch fives, boys, Frank Kaminsky has a team option for next season out in the desert and would the Phoenix suns. No, they they got a decision to make on their boy Frank Kaminsky. So could Frank be? I obviously I don't think either of those is happening. But seeing Frank line up on like, a, oh, this guy could be a free agent again. I mean, Frank Kaminsky's not coming back to Charlotte. I, this I actually forgot point. about him, Brian, until
1: you brought yeah. him up.
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I had to had to mention that in as a, another guy that, a, a seven footer that could potentially be a free agent this summer as well.
4: I think Frank Kaminsky might be playing for Maccabi you tell <laughs> you yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. All right, let let's switch
1: over to our young players um, and kind of the recent play that they've had with the, the Martin Twins and McDaniels as well. Uh, I was watching the game against the Bucks on Sunday, and, it, it, you know, the 1 o'clock game, it just seems like some teams come out lethargic. But both of the Martin Twins, when they entered in the first quarter, you just saw a switch, and that energy rubs off on these other players. Both of them attack the rim when they get any kind of space that they're attacking, being aggressive. And you also have Cody Martin, who has one less charge than Devontae Graham, but has played close to, I would say, 1,500 <laughs> minutes less than Graham. So it's crazy. So th- these two yeah. players, both uh, both the twins here, you know, obviously Eric Collins loves them, the energy that they bring. It's a lot of the intangibles that they bring with this young team. It's not necessarily the skills that they have developed at this point because they are still very much a work in progress. But it is refreshing to see that these players come on the court and then the players around them just kind of up their game. And, you know, they may not be players that are, you know, going to stick around the league forever, but right now they are playing well and it's working as they are coming on the court. So, Spencer, what are you seeing out of these Martin twins and just what's impressed you the most with them?
4: It's just their effort level, man. I mean, that that is the, the first thing that sticks out. They play so freaking hard. And like I, I mentioned earlier, I went to the Milwaukee game on Sunday, and a real competitive game for Charlotte. Man, they struggled offensively. But that yeah. first unit came out real flat. It's 12-4 Milwaukee in like three minutes. Timeout, break, and you're just like, oh, man, this – You know the Bucks (laughs) won by like fifty two or something last a few nights ago. They beat the Thunder by forty seven on
3: Friday. (laughs) Yeah,
4: and look and look like it takes Cody and Caleb. Cody obviously is off the bench first. Him coming in and McDaniel's, and then Caleb and Cody played a lot together on Sunday. They, They just change the tempo of the game for Charlotte because of their energy level. You know, it's a lot of the things you can't measure, like. You know, Cody Martin, I think, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but I want to say it was like 11 points, six rebounds, a few assists, something like that on Sunday. But his actual impact on the game, I would say he was the best player for Charlotte that day. I mean, just like watching the game live, that was very clear that that he made a bigger impact than anybody else on the team. So, you know, I I don't know if this is something – that is like the Dwayne Bacon effect from last year, where like, man, he right. comes in, he plays hard, he makes a difference, yeah. you know, on a young team. But this Cody yeah. Martin thing, like, does feel real to me. I will mm-hmm. say that. I'm not sure about Caleb, and I'm not quite sure about Jalen McDaniels yet, because all he's really shown he can do on the offensive end is what well, he can grab an offensive rebound. Good lord, that one he he took over yeah. Lowry the other night in Toronto. And then he can make a corner three. Like, he's shooting 39%. Um, from behind the arc on a short sample, but pretty good, most of those corner threes. I'm not sure about him yet, but the Cody Martin thing, because he can defend, because he plays so hard, because he creates offense, I mean, his feel out of the pick and roll uh, for where his teammates are on the floor is really, really good as an off-ball creator. So I think that's the one that Charlotte should really, really, really focus in on, because if they can turn him into a player, a second-round pick a year after Devontae Graham became a player, uh, you know, on an NBA rotation as a second-round pick, I mean those are two doubles for cup check right there and and those are two that I mean you need base runners and there's two back to back in the second round they they give us some base runners
3: yeah i mean it's been it's been sort of obvious since the late october right that cody martins an nba defender it's just like does the offense um does the offense fully come online because do you know you never have to question uh the effort and the basketball iq like he is a and he is an industrious player and smart and knows like he's one of those guys to just like he his three point shot is not ready to roll yet. I mean, he has some nights where it looks okay, and he, he'll sink one or two. And he's hit a couple off the dribble this year too. Has not been very good shooting off the catch, but a good cutter. Um, and we're starting to see some of uh, he, like the pick and roll creativity. Like he had a great pass to PJ against Toronto for a corner three that he went. You know, if he can go, if he can get downhill on an angle on that screen going to his right hand, like he can kind of, if he can get all the way to the rim, he can attack a little bit. And he's not a bad passer in the half court too. So like there's some offensive utility for him. Um, that if the if he ever became a guy that get hit in the mid 30s on threes, like you've really got. As Spencer as Spencer was just saying, like you you found a you found a rotation player, um, an impactful rotation player with a second round pick, and you've got him you got him on a great contract. You have his bird rights, et cetera. Like it's it's really nice to see. So this guy's worked for everything, and I it's funny to see. I was having flashbacks watching the Milwaukee game. Because uh, one of the first games I ever covered when I got out of college was NC State, I think Appalachian State, November of 2014, which was the Martin Twins freshman year at State before they eventually transferred out. And they were everywhere in that game. And they've been their effort level was as, as been as good was as good as they then as their freshman year at state as it is now in the NBA and like they're bouncy they're athletic they try super hard they have a good understanding of the game and and Cody really does seem like a guy like it's he's not all the way there yet you don't want to get ahead of yourselves but like he, he looks like a guy that could be um a, a serious NBA player
1: and back to the pick and roll, you know, play from Cody. It feels like, and Brian, you kind of mentioned this. It feels like he might not be a player that can bring the ball up the court and run the pick and roll, but it might have to be like a second side kind of pick and roll where he yeah. gets going yes. downhill a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and then Spencer, you, you started to bring up uh, Jalen McDaniels as well. This guy is, you know, you look at his build; he kind of <laughs> resembles a lot of like Kevin Durant, just the lankiness that he has. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit uh, just to kind of bulk that frame up and get more strength, but his length as a defender is surely going to help him in the passing game and getting those hands on passes that, you know, others might not. And I think the one thing with Jalen McDaniels, if he can knock down the three, I think that's going to be kind of like that swing stat that he has that kind of maybe pushes him from being a player that might be at the end of the bench versus someone that's stuck in the G league. So he is, he is shooting seven of 18 from behind the arc this year. Uh, That's obviously a small, small sample. So that to me is like the swing stat his offensive game and especially his shot from behind the arc.
4: But a few more things on Cody Martin too. And forgive me, Brian, if you mentioned this, I don't think he did, but, I mean, he's almost gotten up to 73 uh, mm. attempts this year, which is a nice number when he's only shooting about 25, 26%. <laughs> I mean, he's consistently getting him up, and he hit a few the other day against Milwaukee. And then 67% at the rim. Yeah. Uh, a fair amount of attempts there is a really good number. And he barely takes any mid-range shots. So, you know, if he gets chased inside the arc off the pick-and-roll and he doesn't have anything, he's just going to pitch it back out, keep the offense going. So, like – the the skeleton of of where or his shot profile rather like that is off to a really really good start and that's not something you see from a young player that's given the ball as much as him uh, very much so yeah I'm. Consider me two feet in uh, with Cody Martin. The other two, mm-hmm. I, I'll wait and see. I, I, I would be surprised if Caleb makes it. Jalen, we'll wait and will wait and see, but yeah. Cody Martin, he's impressive.
1: All right, so let, let's get to this last topic here. I actually had a chance to go on a podcast, uh, the Queen City Collective, and and I, I gave my thoughts on Malik Monk with his recent, you know, suspension here with the anti drug program. And, you know, how, how disappointing the news was. But, you know, I think we're all hoping for a kind of a po- positive outcome here. And, and maybe he gets things turned around and come next season, like he has an actual future with this team. So before we wrap here, guys, just any thoughts on Malik Monk and how disappointing this is, considering the fact that he was just playing so well leading up to you know this point. You know, he actually got his first start you know the day before this news. So, Brian, any thoughts on Malik Monk in terms of this uh, suspension here?
3: yeah i mean I, I i said some of these things on 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 my radio show last week too and it's it's just a bummer for a lot of reasons um especially because monk was having a nice season and was sort of speaking about his growth and maturity he gave a pretty like revealing interview uh with rick bunnell the charlotte observer like three four weeks ago just sort of being pretty honest about the adjustment for him coming to the nba at night at 19 and how tough that was I was impressed by everything that James Brago said afterwards in support of Malik Monk. I think that's important to remember too. There's a lot of details about this that are really murky, but what you want to do more than anything is, you know, you want to make sure a guy like Malik Monk's taking care of himself um, and knows that he has a support system around him. and, And he does, like he's an employee of an organization. And and hopefully like the, the team and the, the franchise people are gonna step up and, and figure out what needs to get done to keep this guy happy and healthy and on a basketball court, which is like where he you know, where he belongs to be. Again, it is disappointing. It felt like the game after that, the New York the, the game against the Knicks last week, like it felt like a cloud was hanging over the whole game. That was just a, a bleak, grim game for a variety of different reasons. So um, I'm disappointed for Malik. I wish this, obviously I wish this hadn't happened. I was really enjoying watching him play basketball this season. And I would just like to have more information on, the, you know, what has caused this dismissal as well too, you know, or not dismissal, but like the, the suspension, like I'd like to know more facts before I weigh in too heavily, but in the mm-hmm. meantime, yeah, it's a bummer. And I think I just hope Malik's getting, as much help as he possibly needs from the right people uh, so that he can get healthy and, and or stay healthy and get back out on the basketball court again as quickly as possible.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, it is really disappointing. Unfortunately, from Malik Monk, I think this is, uh, you know, and this is not to speak badly about him at all, but it's kind of representative of his young NBA career so far. It seems like every time he takes a step forward, um, inevitably uh, he takes a few steps back. And so, you know that that can be chance sometimes, and it's not. I'm not saying that's all on Malik, but this has been what we've seen so far from him in his career. I mean, there's plenty of promise this season. You know, it looks like he had solidified um, kind of his place on, on this roster and his place uh, on this team potentially moving forward. And you know, from like a cap perspective, the most disappointing part about it is he's extension eligible this summer, and, and you thought. Man, these last 30 games or so, you know, Monk keeps this up. If he even steps it up a notch because he's going to get big-time minutes for the rest of the season, um, you know, do the Hornets go ahead and come to the table and say, hey, man, let's talk about a long-term deal here. And now you got to think that's probably off the table. But, yeah, this is disappointing. Anyone who listens to this podcast probably knows I would sent out a tweet. You know, a source had told me that this was marijuana. I, you know, I I don't, I don't hang out with Malik. I don't know that to be a fact. I'm just relaying the information that I was told from somebody that I trust. So I know that's received a lot of pushback and that's fine because I don't know the answer. Just like you guys don't know the answer. Um, Just relaying the information that I had. um, And I've had information before on this team that's been correct in the vast majority of time. So that's all that was. Uh, I hope Malik gets healthy. He gets the help he needs. Uh, and I do help, you know. hope this team kind of stands by his side because I do still believe he's an important part of the future uh, for this franchise. I mean, he's he's a talented guy. If he can just ever put it all together all at once, and that's all aspects of his life, you know, at once consistently, he's got a lot of potential to help the Hornets.
1: Yeah, and I, and I had a conversation with Owen Watterson on his podcast about Monk, about Devontae Graham, about Rozier, and about this season. Uh, and, and here's a snippet of that episode.
2: So, you know, moving on here to our next topic about Devontae Graham and Tara Rozier, the backcourt duo that has started most of the season together. You know, while it's no doubt that Devontae and Rozier provide an offensive uh, firepower that a, a young duo. Uh, not many young duos in in the NBA can. You know, they're both six one guards in the backcourt for the Hornets. Both traditionally point guards, and when they start together, is their offensive firepower worth their defensive liability uh, on the floor? Yeah, I
1: think the Hornets defense has been bad this season, regardless of who is on the court. So I think that Borrego views this this season or or this pairing you know, maybe as an experiment to try to get the best lineup out there as possible. You know, these lineups that he's been tinkering with and and trying to adjust on the fly. I think it's one of those things where you just try to get as close as you can to net zero as possible with the offense and the defense. But like you mentioned, I think in the long run, you do have to get off one of these players, um, whether it's as a starter or just, you know, try to trade one of these players, because I think one of these players would flourish a little bit better if they were playing next to a bigger guard and i'm sure the hornets would want that player to be Devonte graham moving forward you know and not not to be rosier graham is only a year younger than rosier but he's cheaper he has less wear and tear on his body having only played one full season so far uh, and really in, in his rookie season he didn't really play all that much so probably when you combine all the games and the minutes from last season and this season, it would feel like a one game or one full season wear and tear on his body where Rozier has had more than that. So I think that's where they kind of view it. They, they want Graham to be the one moving forward. And I think the pairing, while not ideal, it, it has done pretty well uh, this season, but defensively, like you said, there are some mismatches that can come about. Um, but yeah, but, but since that 11th game of the season, you know, I, I think, Terry moving over to the off guard spot. You're seeing him play better than he was in the beginning of the season when he was the primary ball handler. I think he tried to do too much. He over dribbled. He shot the ball, you know, after 3 or 4 dribbles, which often leads to contested shots. But when you shift him over and he doesn't have to think as much, he's just catching and shooting. You know, of NBA players this year that have at least 175 catch and shoot threes, Terry Rozier is tied for second in the NBA on 47. 47- Uh, percent from those catch-and-shoot threes behind Seth Curry Um, so yeah I think that you do want to move forward with Graham and I'm sure the Hornets view it that way as well but I don't think this pairing has been that bad all right guys I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation if you did be sure to check out the rest of the conversation over on his podcast thanks again for tuning in to another BuzzBeat Make sure you guys are subscribed to us on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Also, be sure to give us a five-star review and rating for Brian and Spencer. I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time.